0: What is up, and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing, and with me this week on a quick turnaround, coming off post-loons just about uh, 10 hours before uh, we're recording here. Um, Really busy week for the guy, but I appreciate him joining me as always for episode 142. It's Dominic Jose Bazonio.
1: Dom, how are we doing? Uh, Doing well. I spent a lot of time talking to my laptop. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but no, it was, it was, it was a good doing posts, uh, loons yesterday with Jacob. And, uh, I mean, it would, would have been nice to have a, a better result to talk about, but I think we had a, a good chat. So, uh, yeah, no, good, good to glad to have done that and, and glad to be here doing the podcast.
0: It is a busy, busy week. Here at Soda Soccer, a lot of lower league news, obviously another two match week for Minnesota United. So if you hear me clicking away on my laptop over the course of the episode, don't mind me just trying to multitask here. Get get some stories on the website, uh, some timely stories on the website uh, while also recording the podcast. So it's it's busy times indeed. But um, let's jump into this. We're not going to dive too deep into the results here. For Minnesota United, Uh, we have MNUFC 2 news, we have lower league news, Minnesota Aurora continue a dominant early run in the USLW League, we get the first ever Battle of the Birds between Rochester and Minneapolis City on the USL League 2 stage, Duluth asserting themselves in the NPSL, UPSL Madness, and so much more, but before we get into all those items, Uh, Just a few housekeeping things before we get started. We are presented by sodasoccer.com, your home for soccer coverage in the north. Make sure you're checking us out at sotasoccer.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. Leave us a rating and review if you have not on your preferred platform. And uh, also follow us at SotaSoc on the socials as well, Twitter and Instagram specifically. And if you want to go that next step and directly support our work, um, all of our content creators are paid for the great hard work that they provide. So, if you want to help, kind of support that mission and keep us sustainable moving forward, um, you know, make sure you're checking us out at Patreon.com/sodasaga. It's the lifeblood of what we do. It keeps us going. And for as low as three dollars a month, you can support that. Uh, if you get us, if you support us in the five or ten dollars tiers, you get exclusive Minnesota United training and match day tidbits, early access to podcasts and interviews, some bonus content there for you. As well. So, again, patreon.com slash sodasoccer. And we have a goal here in June of eight more patrons. So, if you want to help us achieve our June goal, be one of those eight patrons that we need to keep keep reaching our goal and keep us sustainable, make sure you're checking us out. Patreon.com slash sodasoccer. All right, headline time, Dom. Uh, a draw and a loss this week for Minnesota United. Uh, over the weekend, it was a 1-1 draw with RSL at home, their fourth home draw of the 2023 campaign so far. Um, And then a 2-1 to loss in Austin Wednesday night. If you want to want a full recap and analysis of either of those matches, make sure you're checking out Post Loon, specifically from the Wednesday night match in Austin. Make sure you're checking out the Post Loon podcast if you kind of want to deep dive into that. Uh, But Dom, you know, a, a week that Minnesota didn't necessarily, they didn't get a win, but you're not coming out of this week feeling too negative about their prospects for the future. Kind of an interesting dichotomy there.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's two results that, at the very least, feel like a sort of continued continuity from where this team was with the the two wins before this week to Dames. Uh, it, and you know, with with the Dame last night, even this loss, this two-one loss, it felt very much like a very different kind of loss than, say, four-nil to the Dynamo, three-nil to SKC. It felt like a, a productive loss, or the team was very competitive frankly a little unlucky not to get mm. points out of the game, uh, you know good individual performance. So it, it felt more like you could block it together with those one nil wins against uh, you know Portland, uh, the the draw with RSL, you know it just it just felt more like a, a continuous growth period. Uh, so in that sense, I think there's there's some positive takeaway. Obviously, would have been better to get a win at home, get a play on the road. But uh, but at the very least, it, it feels like Minnesota United right now it, it feel like they're they're going in a direction, and the, the results feel collective and connected, uh, whereas maybe before, it felt a little sporadic and, and random sometimes, yep. the kind of performances we were saying. So, so I think that's uh, a pretty big silver lining to, to take away from these last two games.
0: Yeah, it's a weird juxtaposition to try to balance, because obviously this is a result-based business, right? Sports is very results-based. If you don't get results, you're not going to make the playoffs. You're, you know, you're not going to keep your job. If you're a coach or for an office member, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things you need to get results in order to, you know, keep going in the right direction. At the same time though, you know, you would hope that good performances in the long term would welcome better results. And I think you see an RSL in Austin specifically two pretty good performances from this team. And you're talking about a team without Robin Ludd, without Emmanuel Reynoso, uh, without Bakay Dabasi currently. Both Ray and Dabasi look to be on the way back here pretty soon, which is really, really good for this team. Obviously, they'll be welcome additions. But um, I think the performances are worthy of more points. Uh, I think Adrian Heath sort of echoed the, that sentiment in both post-game press conferences. Specifically, the match in Austin, you get really unlucky. You hit four posts and have two goals called back for offsides. Sometimes that's just how the how the cookie crumbles. Uh, but at the same time, performance-wise, I think you are uh, feeling really good about where this team is heading. Especially considering you have two big, big pieces. That are going to be reintegrated into the group and back in the lineup as early as this Saturday with uh with Amanda Reynoso and Bikai Debassi. Um, he after the match in Austin on Wednesday, um, said that Debasi definitely not will not be ready for Saturday but could be ready here in the next couple of weeks. He did say there is a possibility of Amanda Reynoso making the bench on Saturday, um, which is. It's been kind of a, an up and down sort of roller coaster in terms of Reynoso's status because, you know, he's he's coming back. He's working his way back, but he's not reintegrating with the group because he needs to get fit. And, you know, even when he's fit, he still isn't reintegrating with the group fully. And then all of a sudden, boom, he reintegrates with the group late this week or yeah late last week. Doesn't make the trip to Austin, obviously, but obviously Heath is like what he's seen. He actually said Reyes had, quote, ridiculous quality. In uh, in training sessions so far, so obviously he likes what he sees enough from a quality and a fitness standpoint to potentially put Ray on the team sheet on Saturday, which would be absolutely huge for a team that's just kind of really missing that creative goal creating piece. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure, and you know I think this Toronto game, if it goes uh, the way it probably should on paper at least. Uh, would probably provide a good opportunity to bring Ray on in the second half and have a game where Minnesota can be pretty dominant. Uh, he can have some time of the ball, perhaps create some things. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I I think that's a big opportunity. And even to be honest, if he makes the bench and doesn't play, I think there's still uh, a statement being made by him being on the bench that that is productive. You know, we we talked about in the past couple of weeks when we talked about his return, the the video that the team made, all this sort of stuff. Uh, I, I've or I've said before that you know the last piece of the puzzle, I think really to to mend the fences on this one is just for him to play again uh, and to actually be a, a plain rostered loon again. Uh, so for that to to happen as soon as Saturday, I think would be a really a really good benchmark for the scene to hit and for him to hit individually. Uh, that being said, you know, I don't expect him to play a lot of minutes. <laughs> um, mm. And I don't necessarily think that's necessary. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's exciting to to think that we might uh, be seeing Reynoso playing at Allianz Field uh, pretty soon. Yeah,
0: um, one player we might not be seeing play at Allianz Field. Actually, before we get to that, um, let's touch on this Toronto match a little further. Um, so the Lunes end their nine match and 29 game stretch Saturday at home, or nine match and 29 day stretch, excuse me, Saturday at home against Toronto FC. Uh, Toronto really struggling despite having two of the four highest paid players in the league, I believe. Um, they currently sit 13th in the Eastern conference. So a really rough, uh, start for, uh, Toronto here. I I mean, I guess it isn't really a start at this point. We're almost at the halfway point in uh, matches played. So, um, yeah, not a good, uh, not a good early portion of the campaign for Toronto. So you think in Minnesota United back at home. Um, you know, with even if Reynoso, as you mentioned, even if Reynoso's on the bench and doesn't play, you have to think that at least would give Minnesota some sort of lift uh, in terms of the morale, in terms of their energy level, in terms of the crowd's energy level uh, to see Ray on the team sheet. So uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, but again, one player who we might not see Saturday, or probably likely not to see on the team sheet on Saturday at this point, he wasn't in the team sheet Wednesday night in Austin, is Luis Samaria, Maria, as he is reportedly on the move, to Mazatlan FC in Liga Emekis. Um, This was reported uh, after the final whistle. Uh, I was laying in my bed about ready to go to sleep, and all of a sudden I see this come across my Twitter feed. Uh, Cesar Luis Merlot, he's an Argentine reporter, um, reported that the Loons are set to send the striker to the Liga Emekis club for an undisclosed transfer fee. That report has since been echoed and confirmed by Andy Grader of the Pioneer Press and Tom Bogert of the Athletic. Uh, Dom, you guys didn't get a chance to touch on this in post loons last night because obviously it was breaking as you guys were going. So I'll kind of – what what are your initial reactions to this news? Obviously long rumored at this point that Amaria would be on the outs over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we finally get some sort of confirmation here that that is, is indeed the case.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it – I guess first of all, it's just interesting to to see the team actually move forward with this because obviously as we've discussed in the past, uh Amaria's been kind of get, winning the, the, the battle for minutes at, at Striker. So it's mm-hmm. interesting to see uh the a player who's been winning that battle with the exception of this Austin game, which obviously he wasn't taking part in, uh you know, still end up having them pull the trigger to to send him away. I guess I'd be curious what the angles of that are. How do I put this? I, I guess I'd be curious how much say. Uh, it, it, I, I'm curious if this is a move that Adrian Heath wants to happen because Adrian Heath mm. seemed to want to play Amory <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm a little curious what the breakdown of all that is um, and how mm. long this deal has been manifesting um, that all being said uh, I think it's an interesting destination for him uh, it's not a particularly uh, successful club in Liga MF's yet but it's also a very new team Mazatlan are actually a, a, a re uh, what what you, a moved franchise a couple of years ago they were playing in a different city um so that's a pretty new team uh and i think it's a good opportunity for him to to go somewhere else and and, and just try to revamp things um refine his form but uh yeah no i mean i, I think there's been discussion frankly for a a while now about whether or not amaria should be starting and it's interesting to see the team now make the the real call of whether he should be on the team or not uh i didn't necessarily you know when we were talking about whether or not he should start i wasn't necessarily thinking that the backbone of all that was well maybe they should get rid of him completely but uh yeah it's interesting to see that happen and of course now there's some rumors about you know how they'll replace him but uh yeah uh it's uh, it it's too bad for his time at Minnesota to kind of end on this note, but it definitely felt like a a a player that was getting more opportunity than perhaps he was earning on the field. So I I, I am, I do think it's good that other people will now have an opportunity to play up front instead of him.
0: Yeah, and look, Amari has been struggling. There's there's no way around saying that he's played almost 750 league minutes this season. Has not found a goal from open play um i think it's i've asked heath about this numerous times in press conferences and in training you know he's has he's said and and this ha- ha- carries some weight that hey the best way to get a striker out of their funk is to keep calling upon them keep showing them confidence keep keep picking them and keep giving them the opportunity to turn it around but the question i've always been asking is at what point have you given you know, at what point is that, that scenario where, okay, we've given you all the chances we can now we got to turn the page and move on to somebody else who could potentially help us out. Um, you know, maybe they've reached that point, or maybe this is the front office, as you mentioned, just putting the pressure on saying, Hey, we need to move on and try to find somebody who's going to score goals and, and is going to contribute to the attack. Um, it's really unfortunate. Uh, Amaria had a really great, I think nine or 10 game stretch, last year where he scored 10 goals added or he scored, excuse me, added scored six goals, added five assists. That was in Minnesota United's run last year where they had the best record in the league over that course of time in the summer, you know, we're up to third in the Western conference table before obviously they're, they're crash and burn at the end of the season. But um yeah, it's unfortunate. I think Amaria is somebody, everybody wanted to see succeed. I think we were really excited to see him come back before the 2022 season. Um, after uh, he showing some signs of of real quality early in the 2020 campaign before COVID, uh, and it just it just something that it it didn't work out. His his confidence was was completely shot by the end, and um, this seems to be the right move for the club. Now you look ahead and you're entering a summer transfer window where not only do you get a DP back in or Reynoso, but you have a designated player spot. To at at your disposal in terms of bringing somebody new in that can bring in, make actually make an impact to this team. And the rumor swirling is that uh, that player that they are looking to bring in is former Norwich City striker uh, and current free agent Timu Puki who has, you know, he, he's a very decorated striker for Norwich City. He's played for them during their time in both getting promoted up to the Premier League, in the Premier League, getting sent back down to the championship. You know, he's scored double-digit goals in each of those seasons, whether it's in the Prem or in the championship. So he he knows how to score at a lot of different high levels. Um, he is 33 years old, so there is the age factor there. But look, at the end of the day, he's somebody who is shown and knows how to put the ball in the back of the net. And that is somebody that that Minnesota needs and he kind of fits the profile of what Heath is looking to bring in as a striker. Um, Dom, I don't know if you have any additional thoughts on Amaria's departure or uh, uh if we want to move on and see what, what you think about Timu Puki potentially coming into Minnesota. Uh
1: yeah, I mean on, on Puki, I I would say and you know, we talked a little bit about this last night, but just that uh, you know, I think everyone would have liked for for to get Timo Puki a couple years ago instead of 33. But I still think that uh, he presents good value to any team he's on, particularly at this level. Uh, brings a lot of leadership, a lot of experience to a front line that is pretty young right now, particularly with uh, uh injury and Reynoso being not quite active yet, uh, and Amaria's potential departure uh so you know i I think he provides something there i think he perhaps provides a little more of a natural uh striking option than say garcia yet at least um and and so yeah i mean if if the team can make the move in a responsible way i think that's it's a good move to make i think you know it's probably a short-term move it's not a guy that you're you know signing on for the next six years it's going to be short term but uh, you know, if he can come in, you know, I, I believe Jacob was the one that said this last night, if he can come in and score, you know, and in, in the handful of months that he would be here for this season, if he can store like 10 goals, that's 10 goals that can completely change the outlook of, of the Minnesota attack. So, yep. you know, I, I, if, if they don't make the move, I don't necessarily think it's like a horrible thing that they didn't make the move. But if they can bring him in, I, I think he has the potential to be really helpful especially with a Minnesota United team that right now feels like they're kind of teetering back and forth between being like a strong playoff competitor and a weaker playoff competitor. I think he could make a difference there.
0: Yeah. And Minnesota, I think, has – and you can't necessarily fault them for doing this, but in the past, I think they've really tried to go for more like bang for buck type of, of transfers, right? Where they're willing really to get somebody who is younger or who's on the more affordable side that could still potentially make, it, make a, a certain level of impact. Um, but I think looking at where they rank salary-wise in MLS after the latest salary dump, where they are middle of the pack, actually closer to the bottom part of that middle pack, um, and seeing what they've been able to produce results-wise with that, they've outperformed their salary ranking. Pretty much every single year, um, since the 2019 season at least. So that you just have to wonder what they would think if they actually spent and actually invested and actually, not that they're not investing, but actually, you know, really took a flyer, really took a big leap and hard investment into a goal scoring striker. And Mm -hmm. um, you know, Timu Pukki seems seems to fit that. Again, he's 33 years old, so he's a bit on the older side, but you know, he's he's shown that he can do it on a lot of different high-level stages. So um, that seems to be moving forward, and that seems to be the name that uh, Minnesota are, are looking to target and bring in to sort of rep- replace Luis Maria come the July transfer window. So we will have to see how that plays itself out. Um, any final thoughts on that, Don, before we move on? Uh,
1: no, just that, yeah, again, I think it would be an interesting move. Frankly, the one thing about the move that is too bad is that Robin Lloyd will be injured probably the entire time yeah. Uh, and, and that would have been a really interesting connection to to have. Obviously, yep. those two guys have been part of a, a Finnish national team group that is really, uh, well, in some people's opinion, overperformed. Uh, and uh, so, you know, that's probably the one sort of unfortunate asterisk. If uh, Timo Pukki did arrive, but yeah, again, I, I think it's a it's a sign that would have a lot of good potential for the team.
0: Yeah, it's funny because it seems like, it, let's say, Minnesota United brings in Timo Pukki, right? Then you also have Amanda Reynoso. Then you have Bongi Longwani on the right, um, then or or the left, wherever they decide to play him. Um, then you have, you can move Fragapane back to his more natural position. Joseph Joseph Rosales is showing that he can contribute in the attack as well. Um, and then you have the defensive midfield, which the combination of trap Dotson and Ariaga, whatever combination you want to use of those three seems to be really working. Dotson trap seems to be the one that's really clicking right now. Okay. Um, so every place that Robin Lud would play, they seem to be finding another guy who can kind of step up in that position. Okay. Um, you know, when you get a Reynoso back um, that, that number 10, that central midfield slot seems to be the one where they're lacking right now, but obviously Reynoso will take that over. So yeah, um, yeah, you're still feeling really good. Obviously, having Ludd in there would be great for depth purposes. Um, you know, having him slot in there and having one of those starters in his place sort of be that depth option. Uh, but at the same time, I think with that designated spot in hand, with Amanda Reynoso coming back now, I think you, with Bakayi Debasi coming back um, and holding, potentially holding down the left side of the back line for Minnesota, I think that's really. You're feeling very optimistic as you move towards the summer that, hey, if this team can be seventh in the West, produce the results that they've done, have the road quality that they've had without all these pieces in place, you know, you're feeling with, with those pieces in place, with those returners, once they get a new DPN, you're feeling really good about what the second half of the season can provide Minnesota. And we're feeling really good about uh, telling you about our friends over at Stimulus Athletic because they can make you look, feel, and play good this season or next season or in the fall or in the winter, wherever, whenever you want, uh, with quality game gear and apparel. And this isn't just some generic stuff that you get off the rack. This isn't some, you know, striped, sashed jersey. Nothing against striped and sashed jerseys. But these are customized, personalized game gear and apparel that you can wear and be proud of. And guess what your team and your community and the fans and the parents of your players, they're going to want to get their hands on this stuff too, because we're talking quality custom design game gear and apparel that won't break your budget for a lot of clubs, apparel game gear jerseys. It's a, it's a, it's an expense in their budget. It's an expense line item with stimulus athletic. They flip that script because not only can you outfit your players, but you can sell with their ability to make a custom store for your uh for your team you can actually sell the, your jerseys sell apparel to your fans to your community to the parents of your players to to people around heck if it looks really good throw it up on twitter and see if the soccer community <laughs> wants to buy it uh you know that's something that stimulus athletic provides that you're not going to get really in many other places your ability to turn that that game gear and apparel from an expense line item to income You actually can turn a profit with your game gear and apparel uh, with Stimulus Athletic. So take that next step and see what they're all about. StimulusAthletic.com. You can see it below here if you're watching on the YouTube. S-T-I-M-U-L-U-S-Athletic.com. Click that get started button and uh, just fill out some information about yourself and your club and make sure you let them know that Jeremy and Dom from 10K and Soda Soccer sent you there. Big thanks to our friends at Stimulus Athletic. Um, Also should mention that they are Minneapolis based. It's actually former Minnesota United player, Jason Mora who is the owner of Stimulus Athletic. They support teams like Minneapolis City as well. So uh, make sure you're supporting them if you are a, a team looking for new game gear and apparel this summer, fall, winter, next year. Doesn't matter. StimulusAthletic.com. All right, let's jump into the uh, to the lower league scene. We will start an MLS Next Pro with MNUFC 2. The doubloons win 3-2 to at home against the LA Galaxy on May 24th. Goals for Britton Fisher, Emmanuel Iwe, and Juan Mascara. And then they fall 4-1 to Colorado Rapids on the 28th. Cameron Dunbar notching Minnesota's only goal there. But let's take a stop here at the USLW League, Dom, because uh, Minnesota Aurora continue a dominant opening run here, uh, first few games. Um, Following that 5-0 opening win um, against Rochester at TCO Stadium, Aurora go on the road over the weekend, get a 4 0 win over Chicago Dutch Lions. Then they come back to TCO and absolutely smash RKC Third Coast 10 0. This is now a 3 0 0 start for Aurora. 19 goals scored, none conceded. Initial thoughts, Tom?
1: Uh, I mean, it, it is essentially a perfect start for Minnesota Aurora. I'm sure there's some stat they did badly in, but but I don't know what it is. Uh, no, it's a near-perfect start. Uh, I mean, particularly up front, just scoring goal after goal. And, of course, those clean sheets, very nice as well. Uh, I mean, if there was any question of whether or not we'd see a similar run to last year for Minnesota Aurora, I think that has been answered <laughs> they're almost certainly going to be. Uh, you know, well, first of all, competing for the playoffs, and then competing in the playoffs uh, in a deep run, most likely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know much else to what else to say. It, it's been such a dominant start. It's been such a confident start. It's frankly a, a much better start than I expected. I expected them to be very good this year. I certainly did not expect them to score 19 goals in three games. Uh, and and yeah, frankly, a lot of the teams that they're playing right now. Just feel like they're getting walked off the park a little bit. Yep. Um, I mean the 10, the 10 nil particularly. Uh so yeah, I mean it's uh it's it's been an interesting start. Obviously, if you're an Aurora fan, it's a great start. I think for the rest of the conference, uh, it's probably more of a, well, what the hell are we gonna do when we go to play them start? Yep. Um, so Yeah, it creates quite a predicament for the rest of the teams they have to play, really, for the rest of the season.
0: Excuse (laughs) excuse me. Wow. Getting all choked up talking about Aurora here. Um, Maya Hansen with the hat trick and the 10-0 victory over uh, RKC. She has six goals on the season. I have to take a dig at my friend Matt Provaski from Equal Time Soccer. He put a little piece uh, before the season list of his predictions for the season, and he predicted that no Aurora player would get to 10 goals because they, they, he just thought the goals would come from so many different places that no player would be able to reach that mark. Uh, Maya Hansen has six goals already through three <laughs> matches. So, I mean, but at the same time, he was right in the fact that goals yeah. are coming from a lot of different places. In that 10-0 win, six different Aurora players scored. Um, in addition to Hansen, Cat Rap has been huge uh, in the early portion of the season between Hanson and rap, actually the two have combined for 24 points so far this season, nine goals and six assists between the two of them. So, um, yeah, this is, I mean, it's a mixture of returning players. It's a mixture of new players that are really putting it together. The cohesion on the pitch is something that I think sets them apart from a lot of, and it's weird because they had a lot of new pieces come in, and there, it's the, the lineups are mixed and matched between, you know, you, I mean, you have your entire middle of the park is basically new for for Minnesota or for Aurora, uh, but you have a, you know, some a lot of returners there as well, and everybody seems to just be clicking seamlessly on the pitch. I mean, the way they move the ball, the way they advance the ball, the positioning, the speed is just something that you're not seeing many other teams. Uh, you're not going to see many other teams that are able to keep up. With that. I think I tweeted after the first match, I was like, who's going to hang with this team? Nobody has proven they can hang with Aurora yet. Now they haven't played Green Bay, who gave them problems last year. Um, and then obviously once you get into the playoffs, you're going to be playing some of those more dominant teams from other conferences. So I think that's when we'll get the real measuring stick and, and the bar of where Minnesota fits in this league nationally. But as far as the Heartland division, uh, it is um, it's, it's it's pure dominance so far. And there's really no other way to put it and um we'll just we'll see maybe another team will step up and give Aurora a run for their money I have to imagine there may be a game where Aurora is just not fully on it and may find themselves in a battle late on over the course of the regular season but continued performances like this really you start to look elsewhere around the conference and you're like okay uh who's who's gonna get who's gonna even get close here
1: yeah I suppose you wonder if maybe on the road to Green Bay something like that something you know that that could prove more difficult, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, I think <laughs> uh, I don't know if anybody's putting bets on the USLW league, but uh, I, I think they're a safe bet to win this their their conference and yeah. and almost certainly make at least a, a deep run in the playoffs, if not win the whole thing. They they uh, they look about as good as ever and probably better than last year. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, scary scary stuff for anybody that has to <laughs> play them uh,
0: this year. Yep, and uh, that next team is Rochester, who uh, hosts Aurora on Saturday, and then Aurora will be back at TCO Stadium uh, June 7th, which I believe is next Wednesday. Just checking the calendar. Yep, it is. Uh, next Wednesday, June 7th, against the Chicago Dutch Lions. Of course, all the matches are streamed by Fox 9 and on Fox 9+. That's another note I think quick. The broadcast quality is awesome this year. Um, Jake Griffith and, um, and Danny Foxhoven are a great duo um and i I, the the obviously the quality on the pitch but also the quality in the broadcast really really measures up with i think what we've come to expect from this aurora team and i think this might also be not the problem but also kind of they're pushing this league forward and pushing it pushing other teams to you know perform in a more professional manner both on and off the pitch and uh at least the you know, both—I guess both on and off the pitch for Aurora. I'm talking myself in circles here, but uh, the TV broadcast, everything, the way Aurora goes about themselves—they are a professional club, and we're kind of seeing that professional quality on the pitch as well. And it may seem as if you know Aurora may be destined for for brighter things and, uh, if you will, greener pastures uh, in the future.
1: Yeah. No, I mean. I think to 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 just to call back to a conversation we had a long time ago this team feels like it doesn't want to be amateur <laughs> <laughs> yes so right. uh yeah we'll we'll have to see uh we'll have to see if if a couple more 10 mills maybe convince some people to make some decisions but uh yeah yep
0: <laughs> i have i have the audio clip saved from like november 2021 dom when uh, yeah. we were talking about this the the moment that aurora makes that jump cuz it's going to happen let's get real it's yeah. going to happen the moment they make that jump i'm going to put that audio clip out on twitter and be like we told you we told you <laughs> long time ago that this is going to be the case but anyways um yeah a really dominant start for aurora um and then elsewhere in the w league we had green bay glory going on the road to rochester and losing er, and uh winning beating rochester 2-0 uh so continuing a rough start to uh, the W league debut for Rochester in their first three games. We did see something interesting though, in this one, something I don't think I've ever seen before. Um, So this might've been a bit of a harsh decision from the ref, but green Bay is taking a goal kick and the green Bay keeper sort of taps the ball before she actually kicks it away. And the referee whistles her for, uh, I guess that's an infraction. I didn't even realize that was an infraction, but I guess it makes sense if it's a dead ball play. Um, An infraction. And so Rochester got an indirect free kick from like seven yards out. Uh, And so what Green Bay had to do is just completely pack the goal post to post with players and create this sort of wall in, yeah. uh, along the goal line to to stop the kick. Um, Green Bay, or excuse me, Rochester, wasn't able to score off of it. Um, but it was just, I, I've never seen anything like that before. I mean, I've seen indirect free kicks before. I know they're rare, but I've seen them before. But nothing like that, that close directly in the center of the goal.
1: Yeah, it is an odd one. I mean, the call by the ref is legit because you can't pass to yourself from a dead ball. And that's essentially what the keeper did uh yeah the, that first touch is the free kick so i mean yeah. you know it's it's harsh but it is legit it looked weird <laughs> in, the, yeah. in the picture that rochester posted online of of what essentially looked like they were lining up to shake hands or line up on yeah the green exactly. bay players along the goal line was very odd but uh i mean hey i guess it worked because <laughs> rochester <laughs> yeah. did score so uh applauds to uh to green bay on the strategy but yeah uh a uh, rough start for Rochester. I mean, to be fair, their their first couple games have basically been against the best teams. Uh, we'll have to see if they can pick up some more points against some of the other sort of more struggling sides. but uh, yeah, a tough start for them. I think the the tough start probably looks worse because the other team in the state is being teams ten nil, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think I think it's it, it's it's sort of the name of the game when you join a league like this and you're making a big jump. Of course, Rochester did not have Rochester FC did not have a uh, A women's team of this this level previously, they obviously had the UPSL men's team. They did not have a uh, WPSL women's team or anything like that. So they're also a little newer to that side of things. Uh, But, you know, it it seems like they have a good squad. It seems like they have some potential. I'm sure they'll get some results this season. But, yeah, tough stuff for them.
0: All right, moving over to USL League 2 now. It's the first-ever battle of the Birds, and it was a stalemate, a 1-1 draw as Rochester hosted Minneapolis City for the first-ever meeting between those two clubs. Um, Minneapolis City's first point of the 2023 campaign. Uh, Rochester, though, you know, they are kind of the the little brother, if you will, if you want to say, in the as the new kids on the block in this league. So a home draw against Minneapolis City, I don't think it's something they'll turn their nose at. Um, Eli Goldman with an early goal for Minneapolis City to put them ahead. Uh, Pedro Pajares, uh, the Brazilian, equalizes later on in the first half. And that is it as
1: the match ends 1-1. Dom, what are your what are your takeaways from this one? Yeah, it's an interesting game. You know, it's it's funny. The first thing that, not the first thing, that actually, I guess it'd be the last thing, but the thing that comes to mind with me is I thought it was funny is almost as soon as this game was over, both teams were, you know, obviously posting the content for the end of the match and both were essentially describing it as like, well, we were hard done. We should have won that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, guys, I don't think that's how that works. I think one of you has to be the yeah. one that was hard done and, and could have won that one. But, uh, yeah, I think that reflects that this was a pretty competitive game between these two teams, that they both went for it. Obviously, both ended up getting a goal, uh, and and both scored in, uh, within the first hour or even the first half of the game. So there was a lot of, of goalless time later on in this game. Um, I, I think for Rochester, it, as much as they would like to have won their home game against Minneapolis City, I think this is the better point for them. I think they already had a win, so they have four points from two games. I think they've only played two games. Uh, so, uh, that's a pretty good start, uh, nice. brand new to the league, uh, undefeated after two, uh, for Minneapolis city, obviously get, your first point is good. It's good to get a point on the road to have one point from f- what four games is not good, great. It's not particularly mm-hmm. good. Uh, and so while it's a good point on the road, I think they're arguably the team that would have wanted to make that to one more. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think both teams have positive and negative takeaways from, from this one uh yeah for minneapolis city i suppose that the big one is just like all right well we, we've we gone rid of the of this losing streak we've got a point now we can build off this we're returning home they're returning home to play bavarians who are currently the worst team in the, the division so uh potentially the ability to build some momentum there uh but yeah no, a, a really interesting meeting of these two teams and uh sort of a some positive and negatives for both of them to share all right. Uh,
0: elsewhere, we have the NPSL now, where uh, we have one team sort of sticking their neck out above the rest. Uh, Med City with a couple of rough results last week, so they kind of fall fall behind a little bit. And Duluth FC, a 6-0 win over Joy, a 1-0 win over Med City in that first meeting between the two clubs. Uh, they seem to be the ones to beat once again. Uh, I guess not once again. Med City won the conference last year. But Duluth is always in that top tier. Yeah. Uh, they always have been. And uh they they're there once again. And it's uh catch me if you can, I guess, for Duluth right now in the MPSL North.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think the the Med City Twin Stars game, which was uh well, what was it, midweek last week? Yeah. Um was uh, or actually no, it was the weekend, uh was uh was an interesting one. I went to that one. Twin Stars ended up winning that one 2-0. It was a very interesting matchup. I actually was really impressed by the way Twin Stars played. Um, particularly, actually, the player that stood out to me was actually um, Anthony Mator, who was the right back for the Twin Stars. He's actually a former Minnesota United Academy guy. He actually played for MN UFC 2 in one game in 2022. Um, he really impressed me. I mean, he really looked like he was playing b- below his level frankly and he he was really dominant in that game. Uh and Twin Stars really did a good job of managing Med City. Uh that very much set up then this game in Duluth. Uh you know Med City did a very good job in Duluth of playing their game. They played very defensive and they controlled the game. They made Duluth wait a long time to score their goal it was about the hour mark when the goal eventually went in. I do think that in both games Uh, Their desire to defend first and attack second just didn't quite work. Uh, I, I think that last year they were getting goals so consistently from those opportunities that the system just sort of worked itself out. But this year, they just aren't really doing that. In this game against Duluth, I don't particularly recall any time where it felt like they were going to score. Uh, and some of that was good defending, but also some of that was just them not really having much offensive action. Uh, and, and so I, Duluth sort of was able to call the bluff on that one, and they end up getting a, a late goal from uh, Pritchardson, Liam Pr- uh, Pritchardson. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big win for Duluth, uh, ahead of Med City by, I think, eight points now. Uh, the, the, the team that really looks still in reach of, of competing with Duluth for that top spot is actually the Dakota fusion, uh, who are five points, uh, Dakota did not play midweek. So they're five points, uh, behind Duluth, but they play this weekend. Uh, and so I, I, think that's potentially a big game to, to watch out for. I think the good thing for Med city is that because of the, the four uh, format change, uh, Duluth can't win the conference without winning the playoffs. So, Med City will essentially kind of maybe have to well. For, first of all, they play at home still. Maybe do something there, but then maybe just hope for uh, a switch around in the playoffs um, to to flip the table a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, bid week for the Twin Stars. Two two wins, suddenly six points. They're in fourth place. Uh, Joy had a, had a, a good win over Sioux Falls, um, who who unfortunately have been struggling quite a bit. They've they've yet to win. Uh, a game. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, NPSL North looking very interesting. Uh, and I think the playoff format change actually make, keeps it more interesting because Duluth otherwise looked quite dominant. But I think the question is, you know, will that translate potentially into these one-off games if they have to play uh, the Fusion or Med City in, in, a, in a tough matchup?
0: And uh, now to the WPSL, the 100-meter dash that is the, one, the <laughs> WPSL season. It goes just as quick as it starts uh we have a a few results salvo won one with sioux falls city st croix with a 3-0 win over joy joy then uh getting on the win column with a 3-0 win over rochester united and then minnesota thunder doubling up manito for two um any big takeaways from you dom and the wpsl slate
1: uh just that you know i, I think it's interesting joy, joy one week one as well so they do have two wins from three games although their one loss is a tough one uh To me, Salvo and Sioux Falls are both kind of those teams you expect to compete. So interesting that they draw each other and neither really get a leg up. And uh, the Minnesota Thunder, yeah, kind of announcing themselves. That's uh, their first game of the season, 4-2 on the road. So, you know, it seems like uh, several of the sort of usual powers look ready to compete. Uh, Sioux Falls and Joy both look, you know, like they're going to be competitive, whether or not they can really break into that title race. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, the WPSL is a, is a marathon. So it's going to be interesting to see within a week or two how the the, the title campaign really takes shape. And the UPSL,
0: this is yes. uh, quite crowded at the top of the UPSL. <laughs> so here's how the run of games went. Minneapolis City, 2-0 win over Austin Villa. St. Croix, 4-0 dominance over the Blackhawks uh, of St. Paul. 2-2 is how Twin City and Granite City finished. Vlora gets a 4-1 win over Maplebrook and then follows that up with a 2-1 win over Austin Villa. Minneapolis City blanks Worthington 3-0. FC Minneapolis with a 1-0 shutout over Granite City. St. Croix 5-0 over Superior City. And 2-2 between Twin City and Maplebrook. So, Dom, this means we have three teams atop the UPSL table with Minneapolis City, St. Croix, and Superior City FC. Um... And then a, a lot of teams down there in, in striking distance as well. Um, tell me about the UPSL and, uh, and and
1: kind of the way this is shaking out here. Yeah, that St. Croix-Superior City results a pretty big one. It's Superior City's first loss of the season. Uh, it's only the second game this whole season they've dropped points. They had one draw also. Uh, and St. Croix, you know, have very much been in the last couple of weeks sort of announcing themselves in the UPSL with these big wins. They had two big wins this, this last week. Uh, they are... Uh, tentatively top of the table on goal difference over Minneapolis city, superior city tied on points. They have played an additional game. So technically they lose that tiebreaker. Um, But uh, yeah, those, those three have all been playing very well. Superior city, perhaps, you know, meeting some sort of limit uh, with the St. Croix result. but it'll be interesting to see if they can bounce back quickly. Uh, You know, Valora are right below this group uh, potential to, to, to jump in there with some good results. Uh, The Blackhawks have looked really good. Unfortunately, results like that St. Croix one kind of put questions as to whether or not they can really jump into that group of sort of top three, top four. Uh, Very much in in distance, though. Uh, And then some sort of one-off interesting things. Uh, The Worthington 3-0 loss to Minneapolis City. Worthington got three red cards in that game. (laughs) Mm. Um, I I don't know all the details of that. I know one involved like a a goalkeeper challenge on an attacker. Uh, I think like a dog-so kind of situation. Um, so that's a tough one for Worthington. Uh, you know, that they'll have to grow from that one. Uh, but you know, credit to Minneapolis City for sort of you know capitalizing on the opportunity and getting a good win there. Uh and Twin City, uh uh you have to I have to point out, you know, Twin City with a, a good week, two draws. There's a team that is not necessarily expecting to compete for playoff spots. Uh they had a draw earlier in the season, a sort of shock draw with uh Valora. That was a nil-nil. So two 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 draws this last week some goals mm-hmm. for them. I think that's a, a, a nice uh, development for them and nice I show a progression for them uh, showing that you know they're, they're not going to to be an easy team to beat. Um, but yeah no I mean the, the the games are coming quick in the UPSL. a lot of action t- title race very much starting to take shape with sort of four or five teams and uh, St Croix really starting to look like they're ready to compete with Minneapolis City. Uh, for that, the the big honors this season, but uh, we'll have to see how the rest of the regular season plays out.
0: All right, and then to round it out, UPSL women, Vlora doubles up St. Croix to one. Um, Tonka with a big 11 0 win, uh, 0 0 draw between St. Croix and Northern Thai, and then Superior City blanks Vlora 2 0. What are some of the trends we're seeing in the uh an inaugural UPSL women's season here locally down?
1: Well, we're seeing that the Tonka fusion are very good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. They are top of the table. There's only a couple of games played, but they are top of the table. And, and I actually forgot to note that game was against Granite City. Uh their mm-hmm. game, their win. Um, yeah, Tonta started very well. Uh obviously that's an organization that has a good reputation, but you know, maybe slight surprise just in the sense that they're new to this level of the game. Didn't necessarily quite expect them to be blowing everybody out of the water like this, but they are. Um they they saw Minnesota Aurora and said, We can do that. Yep. Um we can do it better. Um Valora, good win for them. They they had a, a rough start uh with well and, and a rough later this week, but they had they had two rough losses on either side of their win uh to Superior City. Uh but good win against St. Croix kinda keeps the, the wheels turning. And Superior City actually also, you know, worth shouting out. Uh that is another new team to this level, another new team entirely. And and they've uh, started well. They have two wins and one loss. Their one loss is to Tonka, unless I'm mistaken. So uh, good start for them. Yeah, you know the 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 UPSL Women's Conference for the Midwest West is is small. It's only five or six teams, but uh, it it looks pretty competitive. Tonka very much look ahead of the race, uh, mm-hmm. so it's going to be interesting to see if uh, you know if Superior can perhaps do better in a rematch with Tonka, or if Valora can maybe get a leg up on Tonka and and compact that table a little bit more. But uh, yeah, it's been an interesting start so far to the to the new UPSL Women's uh, division up here.
0: All right, now it's time to round out the show like we always do with our picks presented by BetterEdge, B-E-T-T-O-R-Edge.com slash loons. You type that in, you sign up, you'll notice in your account, boom, like magic, $20 appears. You can use to bet with your friends against your friends with us against us. You can use that towards our weekly MLS pick 'em contests if you're into the uh NBA finals, if you're into the uh, Stanley Cup finals, into Major League Baseball, whatever else's sports are happening right now. There are pick 'em contests and games that you can wager with or against your friends on, and that is what sets Better Edge apart from the rest. They are not a sports book, they do not profit off of your loss. You are betting with or against other people on the platform when you are placing a wager on better edge. That is why it is legal to use in Minnesota and 46 other States. So better edge, B E T T O R edge.com slash loons. Click that link and sign up to get 20 ducks, 20 ducks, $20 bucks. Uh, either way, $20 in your account at better edge. When you sign up, big thanks to better edge for uh supporting the show. All right, Dom, so Minnesota United, no uh, no surprise, big favorite at home over plus two hundred or over minus two hundred um against Toronto over under two and a half goals there. What are you uh, what are you going with?
1: Uh I am going to go with over two and a half on this one. This this feels like uh a, a game that's gonna have a couple of goals in it. Yeah, even
0: though the value isn't exactly there, um, I think B- Minnesota really clamoring for that. they were there; they have a home win this season, but they really the team has talked so much about needing to turn that home form, form around and at least balance it out with how well they're doing on the road. And uh, with with Toronto just with the incendiary drama, which I think look whatever the timeline is for that MLS sort of drive to survive type documentary that they're going to be putting out on Apple TV. They need to get the cameras to Toronto now because yeah. you have the <laughs> highest paid player in the league and one of the most well-known coaches in American soccer history going at it basically. And he said, she said that is, that would be perfect for this documentary. So I hope there are crews out in Toronto uh, getting the backstage on the situation. because that exactly, that's exactly what that series needs. But anyways, Aside from that, with that being said, that is a reason why I think Minnesota can take advantage of Toronto. Toronto's very distracted. They're just not a great overall team looking so far this season. Minnesota at home at Allianz Field. It's going to be, I think, a beautiful Saturday night at Allianz Field. So I think uh, you'll you'll have the 19,000-plus there cheering the Loons on. I think that they continue to turn the tide in terms of their home form, and they get back in the win front against Toronto. So even though the value is not there, I am placing my monies on Minnesota United. Dom is taking over two and a half goals, whether you're with us or against us, whether you want to ride us or fade us, uh, or whether you just want to enter our MLS Pick'em contest. We have free and paid versions available at betteredgecom slash loons. Dom, we have come to the end of the episode and we have come to the
1: point where you send the people into their weekend with some words of wisdom, words of wisdom. Uh, I want to phrase this. If if, well, here's my words of wisdom. Jer- I, hopefully, you'll know what I'm talking about here. Uh, if if your claims about something are already barely on one leg, don't use my tweets to back your thing up. Mm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: I loved I loved Dom with the receipts on Twitter this week that was probably my favorite thing that happened we didn't talk about it because we don't get in the mud too much no, on this, that. but if you want to know if you want to see some good lower Minnesota lower league soccer drama on the Twitter sphere if you're into that uh, make sure you check out Dominic's Twitter feed at DJ Bisonio he's got the receipts don't come with if you come at the king You best not miss. That's, that's, that's what we'll, we'll do for the, actually, I do want, I do want to want to make one more note. We've talked about Amaria and a lot of his talk, a lot of the talk about Amaria is about negative about his performance on the pitch. Um, I don't know if this is going to happen now, but he was to peel back the curtain a little bit. He was um, supposed to do something really, really nice for somebody uh, close to me um, who uh, is also from Paraguay. Um, is supposed to be something really nice for them. And that was supposed to happen this Saturday after the match in Toronto. I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. I don't even know if he's going to be with the team, but all that to say, I want to make sure we compartmentalize the person from the player here. Um, uh, because for all intents and purposes, Amaria was a great teammate. Um, he was a really great person. It was really cool to see at training him, uh, learn more English, and actually, he always as as he got more comfortable with his English, he insisted on doing interviews without a translator, uh, which I thought was really cool and kind of a. He took that challenge, so um, I want to make sure I just note that you know if this is the last time we talk about Luis San Maria as a Minnesota United player, I want to make sure we ended on a note that um, obviously we wish him all the best and hope that he's able to turn his form around on the pitch, and I want to make sure that you know people he's seems. For all intents and purposes, uh, from what I've seen in training and from what I've heard from other people, uh, a, a really good human being, a really great person, and uh, we wish him all the best uh, moving forward um, in his uh, presumed new uh, new role with Mazatlán FC in and Liga and Mechies. All right, he's Dominic Jose Bazonio. I'm Jeremy Rushing. This has been the Ten Thousand Pitches Podcast, and we will see y'all next week. Bye.